Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 118, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today we're joined by one of Maryland's newest breweries, um, all the way from Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, Astrolab. Is it just Astrolab, or is there a brewing company or anything tacked onto the end? Brewing. Um, okay, Astrolab, Astrolab Brewing. And I'm joined by the two founders, Emma Whalen and Matt Cronin. Hey, Hello? nice hey. to see you. Chris. How you doing? Um, but before we jump into your story, I want to talk about... Um, an event that you guys will be at and it's in your neck of the woods put on by the Brewers Association. I went to it last year, the Love Thy Beer Winter Warmer Showcase. We and did too. <laughs> I know, that's where I got to meet you. Um, it was a really fun event. I, I think, was last year the first one or maybe it was the second it was just the first time I went? I but think it may have been the first one in Silver Spring. Yeah, it's in, um, so it, it'll be held again this year on February 15th uh, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And if you go on the MarylandBeer.org, you can get tickets and they have information on Facebook, like everything. Um, <clears throat> so I, I would definitely urge people to check that out because it was a really great time and there's a lot of amazing beer at it. Um, so with that out of the way, let's talk about you two. Um, you're in Silver, where in Silver Spring are you? Um, we're right on Georgia Avenue. It's you know the main artery that runs from dc right up into elmley and beyond um and we are um just south of the main area and so the main strip in silver spring so right right across the way from quarry house um round the corner from denizens and soon to be round the corner from silver branch so you have a nice little uh destination right there for people to come visit a whole bunch of places at one time. Exactly. We have the um, a great spot just off the Red Line Metro where people can pop off at the weekend and um, hit three breweries on foot, you know, and spend the day. I used to work right in the building on the corner next to where Noah is. Okay, yeah. At, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember the two streets. But now, now there's all kinds of cool stuff down there, and, and there was next to nothing. I think a Starbucks. Yeah. When when I was working there. East West Highway. And, yes. Um, a... Colesville. So yeah, yeah. No, the, it's it's great. Silver Springs really, really um, regenerating right now. So we're excited to to get in right now, and excited at where it's going. So when did you officially open? Officially October the eighteenth. It was our official opening date. Uh, we did a couple of uh, soft openings prior to that just to get the staff up to speed and us, you know, are used to the pace of the business. I know it's a few kinks. <laughs> yeah, which there are plenty. Um, <laughs> uh, do they ever go away, though? No, I mean, it's. I think it's like... <laughs> There's always a new one. You know, they just get different. Everything comes at you really fast when you open and yeah, yeah, everything's crazy, but you sort of... You get, you pick up the pace uh, pretty quickly, and uh, you learn the speed of the business. And there's just something else that you have to sort of be be aware of and like concentrate on. So <clears throat> I'm detecting a slight accent. Mm-hmm. So just like from like Oklahoma or something. Yeah, close actually. Uh, cowboy Kiwi. Um, 
So yeah, initially from New Zealand and I've been in the States for 14 years now and I was initially out West Coast and my wife is a, uh, she's uh, posted her dissertation at the National Cancer Institute so that that's what brought us to Maryland and uh, now that's where she works. So I initially thought that my first bury would be in New Zealand. Uh, that was kind of the goal when I came to the States. Uh, but I married my wife, you know, she was, uh, she, she being American and uh, uh, so we settled in this area and that's when I met Emma and uh, that's kind of where our paths, paths connected. So what, um, we'll start with Matt and then Emma, you yeah. can tell us, how did you get into wanting to own a brewery and slash brewing? I, I know Matt, you do brewing. Does it, do you do any brewing, Emma? Or I I've helped Matt out a few times, and I can't, I understand the process, you know, pretty well. But I we we like to say Matt brews, and I do most other things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a good combination then. Yeah. So Matt, what were you doing beforehand, um, and how did you get into uh, brewing and get to the point where you wanted to open your own brewery? Yeah, so. Like going back to my days in New Zealand as a kid, uh, me and my mate, this 16 year old, found his father's homebrew kit. Like most uh, brewers, you kind of graduate from that point. So we just tinkered away. Um, the beer wasn't particularly great, but it's strong and potent. That's kind of a prerequisite, really. Um, coming to the States, kind of polished up, just got better at home brewing, did the Siebel program in Chicago and over those uh, homebrew days I entered a couple of competitions and part of that award was to have your beers commercially made. One of those was with Barley and Hops uh, with Eric over there and um, you know we hit it off so the first one was I think it was Dark Helmet which was a foreign export stout and that sold really well and we got on well as together as friends and uh, Eric's been a great mentor since um, and then we did a series of collabs together so it was a pretty organic way for me to move from like home brewer to like I guess semi pro-ish without obviously getting any money so pro-amish pro, <laughs> pro uh, but like really understanding like the technical elements required like brewing on a 15 barrel system and you know i was fortunate to do that with eric over at barley and hops nice yeah what about you emma um for myself i i kind of started off my career in the food beverage industry and went off a little along the way um and but i've always kind of come back to that and um in the last few years i did a stint with whole foods market in um silver spring and then in their montgomery county stores and i i've always been a foodie but it, it brought out like even more of the the foodie in me um got to meet a bunch of really small artisan um you know producers makers that like i just i just love being in that arena um around the same time was getting into the craft beer scene met matt um and just it, it kind of all is this big synergy for me, you know. It's all flavors and um, people who are really passionate about what they do and what they produce. So um, Matt and I just got to the point that we were both ready to make the next move. And um, yeah, 
that's where Astrolab came to life and um, the rest is history. Um, <clears throat> I like how there, there's definitely a nice marriage of craft beer and food and foodies now where the doing beer pairings with food and cheeses, it, it seems almost as prevalent as doing, uh, doing it with wine yeah. now at this point. Yeah. I think people have really come to realize that there's so many flavors in beer and especially craft beer that, you know, it's, it's, it's a perfect partner for a tasting of any of any kind you know the the bad thing though is that uh, if you're not paying close attention when you cook with beer things can go really awry <laughs> but my wife made um beer bread once and i and this was a long time ago and she thought she was really being nice by because I, I drank a lot of snake dog then so it was one of my favorite beers that she would make it with snake dog it was absolutely horrendous. Yeah, you <laughs> can was, get some really was, um, potent it, combinations. Yeah, it was it was one of those things like you you took a bite, it was delicious, and then the bitterness just like punched you in the face, <laughs> yeah. and not in a happy way like so. beer typically does. Yeah, I know you can get some interesting combinations with the beer, especially once you you know boil it down a little and it it becomes more potent and yeah. more bitter. Yeah. Emma just recently made a curry uh, with our double IPA. Yeah, I think uh, for around our holiday with... party. Which <laughs> oh, was awesome! Fairly stellar. Yeah, Cur so, curry and beer go so well. So if you throw it in there, it often enhances the flavor. My wife and I are going to take. There's a local place uh, in Frederick called the Kitchen Studio, and they teamed up with um, Flying Dog to do a class cooking with beer. Cool. So my wife and I are going to take that together and learn how to properly use yeah. beer in cooking. Yeah, very cool. Nice. So what is the craft beer scene in New Zealand like? Is it uh, vibrant with a lot of options or is... Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I obviously have my favorites down there. Uh, you got Garage Project, Liberty, uh, Panhead. They're all doing great. It seems to be like the model there is though you get some success and then the giant comes along and swallows you and buys you out. Oh. Um, so but, even more so than in the U.S. Yeah, you get to a, I guess, a critical mass, and they sort of see it worthwhile, and they pick your pick your brand up, and obviously it gives those guys economies of scale in terms of yeah. purchasing power and that kind of thing. Um, but there are a couple of guys that are like bucking that trend and trying to do it more independently, and you know it's a double-edged sword because New Zealand's such a small market; it's only four million people. So I can understand why they would go that route. Um, so ultimately, if you want to grow, you have to look at outside countries. Australia being close, but then obviously Asia, China, Japan, and you know, get a container full of fresh beer to Europe is going to be quite pricey. So you know, some of them have looked to do contract brewing abroad, and you know, like having mobile facilities do it that way. So. It's definitely, um, yeah, it's alive and well, and it's uh, just due to its remoteness. Uh, the brewers generally have to be pretty innovative. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's excellent. Is it along the same lines of the trends here where they get IPAs dominate and where there's the juicy, hazy craze? Yeah, or I think is the it different flavors that are more popular there? Yeah, yeah, I haven't been back to New Zealand for a year now, but I think the haze craze, you know, it's there's a balance to it. 
Um, people still like their classic styles. Um, even like just going to the woods, like the Pilsner range of things, like there is a range of New Zealand Pilsners out there. Um, and that's kind of utilizing the New Zealand hops, uh, Nelson Sauvignon, Rewaka. So you're getting a lot of that fruit and berry characteristic coming through rather than your Saz and your traditional sort of uh, noble hops that you'd use in, uh, in that style. And so it's kind of born out of necessity. So it's kind of the terroir and um, the ingredients that are sourced locally in the area. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was, it was, I had read an article once and it was, it was framed to ha around something to do with stone. And it was talking about like how expensive it is to get beer to New, New Zealand and Australia. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a driving force of them developing their own uh, markets because like just the amount of money to, like, as you said, to stack up a bunch of uh, barrels onto a ship and send it there is more expensive than what the profit you could make by selling it at a reasonable price yeah exactly and like you only have to have a look at the shelf for a, like on a shelf of a brew store like what a bottle of stone beer is going for it's like yeah, i'll just buy the local stuff which is you know really good it's fresh i mean you can't really beat fresh local beer so but you know knowing that i can get it in the states for half the price this is uh you know i'll just wait yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um when you decided that you were going to open your own brewery, where, why did you choose Silver Spring? Um, I've lived in Silver Spring for a very long time now. Um, almost, well, I've lived there for 17 years. Um, and Mac kind of lived close by and we just thought it was a great time to, to go in, into the that particular area um we're already part of the community people already know us um and it's you know it, it's just growing all the time it's a you know it's on the doorstep to dc you're right by the beltway to get anywhere else you need to be um and it's just such a, a diverse community and we really like that we like that it's you know there's there's great opportunity to make some great beers and um yeah yeah um i was also bartending there for four years while i was kind of honing the craft um so i kind of ditched the nine to five a while back and kind of looked at sort of more uh liberal hours so to speak so during the day i was like kind of basically doing r d for this project and bartending but uh going back to like the collabs that i did with eric over eric and john over at barley and hops um, we were selling those beers on the bar so it kind of allowed me to introduce myself to that local market a little bit and our patrons all enjoyed it um, so it, you know going back to that organic process it, it was just a natural path for us to follow it's a and <clears throat> nice thing about Silver Spring too is a very I mean I guess it's probably on the re, the tail end of the revitalization of it but it was definitely an area that went through a whole revitalization and a build out of making it a much nicer place. Yeah, but it's still it's still got that like community feel of like a little bit of the new, but you've still got a lot of, you know, the mom and pop shops and the ethnic restaurants that, you know, make it a, a diverse and colorful place. I can't place. remember the name of it, but there was a Cuban place 
that I went to lunch at all the time. That was amazing. There's no way I'll yeah. remember the name, so I'm yeah. not even going to try to think of it. But it was Cubanos. It may have been. Yeah, I don't it's know kind of down a back street. Go- and yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So Cub- Cubanos, that's still there, okay. going strong. That place is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some great, great restaurants in. Yeah, we've got a little Jamaican eatery around the corner as well. And they do great jerk chicken. Yeah, yeah straight across the road. So we're not short. Yeah, we became very um, friendly with the local Greek taverna. Nice. I was yeah, joking that Matt was almost semi Greek by the time we finished yeah. the project because he ate he <laughs> ate so many <laughs> yeah. so many um doni kebabs. All right, we're gonna take a real quick break to thank Roast House Pub for their uh, support of the Uncapped podcast, and then when we get back, um, first let's we'll talk about the beer we're drinking, and then we can get into the how uh astrolab came to be where the name came from and all that all that good stuff so uh we'll get to that when when we're back from the quick break a huge thank you to our presenting sponsor roast house pub which is located at 5700 urbana pike in frederick maryland if you have listened to this podcast before you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that chef nico creates simply put they are amazing but roast house pub has much more to offer Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. All right, so first, um, let's talk about what we're drinking right now. Because this is absolutely delicious. Yeah, so uh, this was our first Oh, the second run of our first beer that we ever made in the brewery. Uh, it's an IPA, 7.2% uh, called Peekaboo. Uh, bitted with a little bit of Columbus and then finished with Mosaic. Um, pretty hefty dry hop on it. Um, pretty light balance. It's got a good nose it's t- and drinkable, obviously. So. It's a, Every time I have a um, a regular IPA now, like, I just think like, wow, IP like regular IPAs are good. Why do I keep just chasing after the like, the next hazy, juicy IPA when like a, a good quality, just classic IPA is so good? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I ran into the same problem just on my Christmas break. You know, I go to the local bottle store in Massachusetts, and it's just cans. Like, and yeah. great breweries there, and doing solid product and you buy a few and a couple of hit and miss and it's like you go next time and it's like yeah let's just take the risk out of it went got sierra nevada pale ale yeah easy you know what you're going to get it's well made it's great beer and uh you know satisfying so yeah i kind of we try and keep things like a modern twist on a classic style um but i do like I, i love haze um, but I, I kind of see it more as a function of process through the dry hop rather than just like adding ingredients that make it hazy. Because um, I think that's where you're going to have like uh, issues down the line with mm-hmm. the quality of product. So our biggest thing is when you drink our beer, like it, it doesn't matter at what stage, like, you know, whether it's uh, two weeks old or a month old, you know, it should be at its highest quality. And we don't want things dropping out. Um, so to really have that consistency and that's what we're trying you know we're only two and a half months old but you know that that's our objective and you know we've we've done pretty well so far what size of a brew house do you have 
We're on a 15 barrel. Okay. Um, we oversized our mash ton to a 20 barrel mash ton. Um, at we got like we we've got the opportunity to scale up. So we got 30 barrel hot and cold liquor tanks. Uh, five 15 uh, barrel fermenters, a bright, and uh, we've got uh, four serving uh, lager tanks uh, that are going into our walk-in this week, uh, which will hold our lagers and some of our saisons. Nice. Yeah. And if I remember correctly from watching like the progress of the build-out, mm-hmm. like, there's some interesting stories about the location, if if I'm thinking correctly. Am I right? Like the history of yeah, it. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty and... old building. It's, a, you know, 100, maybe 100 plus years old now. It oh, took wow. us a while to get open. Um, yeah, and it's been a, a bunch of different things. At one point, we found a, the, the original sign from... A hundred years ago, um, a ghost sign. Unfortunately, the wall that it was it was on was held up only by the roof. So uh-huh. <laughs> there there was there was a lack of foundation there that um, we ended up having to rebuild the front wall. But um, yeah, it's a real interesting old building, and um, the the front section that we've now turned into the tap room is a retail space. But it was at some point cobbled together to a warehouse space in the back. So just a perfect spot for you know a new small brewery. Um, and we we've modernised it and kept it fairly simple um blank canvas decor um but we've tried to keep some of the old features so you've got some terracotta wall tiles behind the bar and the original um ceiling for 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 the brewery tap room um unfortunately we matt insisted on getting rid of the pepto bismol pink walls in the back but <laughs> yeah it we like did you, try persuade him but, uh, you walked into the back and it was like water wall pepto bismol pink and it was like holy smokes this yeah. has got this is the first thing that's got to yeah go. it was probably not attractive oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was. Yeah. he would have been a little nauseous most yeah. days you know um but yeah pre- it's also been like a billiards hall so we often get people coming and wanting to play wanting to play pool um and then the previous tenant was joe's record paradise which um, he just had rows and rows and rows of old LPs in the in what is now the production area. Um, so, you know, the the owners actually been in and hoping to do some sort of event to pay homage to the the old record store oh, that cool. used to be there, which would be really neat. Yeah, that could be fun. There's a, and it's really. I mean, craft beer just intersects so many other cultures. Like you could almost have any kind of special event and you're going to have a ton of people come because they like that particular thing also. Yeah, exactly. And then they like to add a little beer to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where did the name Astrolab come from? Okay. Where did it come from? Graham knew cause Graham likes fancy words and mm-hmm. knew what an Astrolab was. Um, but for the, whatever. So, um, <laughs> For the rest of us that have the vocabulary of children, mm-hmm. um, where did the name come from? Don't Are you going to give it to me? Oh, um, we'll, we'll, we'll swap in and out here. So an, an Astro Lab or Astro Lab, as Graham likes to call it, is um, an ancient... <laughs> Please tell me he's wrong. Please tell me he's <laughs> He wrong. is in New Zealand and England, which is now where, why we're called Astro Lab. <laughs> um, so he's wrong, yes. Yeah. Well, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, 
So it's an ancient navigational device. It was predates the sextant. Um, it was it's fairly like intricate and crafted, um, and it it basically tells you where you are in relation to the stars and uh, and distance and all all of that good stuff. And um, it's also the name of a reef close to where Mac grew up. So it it the name for us brought in everything that we feel. Astrolab Brewing is in that it, you know, it, it's a crafted, like intricate um, product item, whatever you want to call it. But that it's, it was also hugely innovative, innovative at its time, which is what we're trying to be with our beer. You know, it's like some of the old um, craft, but bringing in a new, new modern day twist to to the to the device um it also speaks of journeys which we feel like beer is a journey and we've both journeyed a long way to get to where we are um so yeah kind of just encompasses all of the things that astro lab brewing is is aiming to be um and why it's now astro lab not astro lab is because of the um you know along the way we had people like graham pronouncing us as <laughs> astrolabe which was you know make a map blush a lot so we yeah. decided that we would also modernize the name and um make it easy to pronounce for our our, our new you know our new customers and people, for the people like me <laughs> for you well for the people that were yeah. calling us astrolabe yes <laughs> and that's what your logo is the yeah yeah so it's an astrolabe and uh, you know it's it's a beautiful device, uh, intricate like Emma said, and I, I think uh, she kind of you know as she said it's uh, definitely part of the journey. And uh, it was a reef off the coast of my hometown that I used to go fishing on, and uh, you know where I grew up is New Zealand's uh, busiest port, and Emma being from Liverpool, so having something that was uh, kind of sea based and like obviously on a journey, like something that you use on a journey. It was a good way for us to tie our stories together and uh, something that we kind of really felt um, we could sort of like build something from. Yeah. It's very cool. I love when there's a uh, story behind the name because mm -hmm. we've had like both ends of the spectrum on where people are like, well, there's really no story. We just, we grabbed a couple words and that's what it became to like along with yours or like a half hour long mm -hmm. explanation yeah. of getting yeah. to like the name and. Yeah, and we like the way it sounds, obviously. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I always, you know, thought that was, was going to be a good name, but we're both on the fence about the uh, having the e pronounced. Uh, <laughs> back back home, it's silent. Uh, so, you know, obviously, I had a few crude Australian friends that Astro Lab was like, "What are you talking about? Is that, um, you know, yeah, uh, space I don't know you can female say. genitalia or something like that?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we sort of like it just drove me nuts. So it was like I, we we came to the the right, I think the right decision. I think it it also the the way we the the fact that we have it as two words now and as as the lab ties in a lot with who we are and the fact that we are looking forward and not backwards and you know we're trying to pay homage to the craft while also bringing that new new element. And if you look at the logo, the um the words actually um they're looking forward and almost like a, you know, a telescope looking up to the stars. So 
Um, that's kind of where the logo, it is an Astrolab, but there's also a little bit of story inside the Astrolab. So completely um, unrelated to beer, uh, but do New Zealanders have the same um, type of culture as Australians where you kind of go on vacations for extremely long periods of time and just travel the world? Oh, the walkabout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. But this... Yeah, I mean, we call it the OE, the Overseas Experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you're bored and when you get to mid-20s, you go to Europe for two years. Um, it's just rite of passage kind of stuff. Okay. So was... yeah, it's pretty normal. Uh, just due to our isolation, it's kind of important to get out and see the world. And then, uh, you know, that's, I think, why New Zealand's become innovative because you get to see what the world's doing great and then you bring those uh, aspects back and using the local produce, you know, whatever, um, but like tailor it to our local cuisine with um, you know, European or Asian concepts. Yeah, every vacation I've ever gone on, mm-hmm. we've run into Australians who were on their walkabout and like mm-hmm. it was like on their third month of yeah. just vacationing. Yeah. And even when we got married, um, my my wife went to school in um, the Netherlands yeah. with a Australian woman who was a tr- uh, classically trained opera singer. Oh, wow. And she told my wife if she ever got married, she would sing at her wedding. So like shortly after I proposed, she contacted her. Both her and just her boyfriend at the time quit their very good jobs, um, traveled like for a month beforehand, came to our wedding, stayed with us for about a month, then moved to Canada for two years. Yeah, nice. and, oh, wow. And then went yeah. back to Australia. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. It's just, it's, just it, it's awesome, but it's like such a foreign idea growing up here where you, like most people you got a week's vacation a year (laughs) or most people don't leave the state that they were born in yeah i guess that's the beauty of being in the commonwealth you know you've got access to so many different countries so there's always a work visa available if you want to um bounce out to another try another experience or way of life i think it's all also works the other way around now you get a lot of a lot of europeans going to australia or new zealand for a year to 18 months. I, w- I would love I to know go which there. way I'd rather go. <laughs> there, there was, um, we went to Ireland one year and while we were there, um, Virgin started their flights to Australia and they had a promotion. Like the first so many were, were so first so many flights were like ridiculously cheap. So we were like, okay, when we get back to the U S we're going to book flights to Australia, go visit our friends. And it was like five hours into the flight home from Ireland <laughs> while I was awake the whole way. Whereas like going to Ireland, I slept the entire flight. Yeah, I was like, m- yeah, we're not going to Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's miserable on the way back. <laughs> so I have not been there yet. Yeah, well, in time. Someday. It's definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, it's not a bad flight. Trust me. I don't believe you. I'm kind of with, I'm kind of with you, Chris. I'm like, oh, God. I, mean, I guess I if I knock myself out with something All you have to do is get to the West Coast, have a few beers, and it's yeah. 12 hours from there. It's easy. Yeah. I don't know. You, you and I have very def- different definitions of easy. <laughs> I'm also stuck in that no man's land. I've got three 
three girls under 10 so the thought of a 24-hour flight is fairly torturous for me uh, right I, I have two girls under 10 and i would not take them <laughs> anywhere longer than we flew to um california once and i was amazed that our oldest was three at the time that she behaved the entire way because i we were really dreading that flight yeah. so like it's hit or miss though you're just running that you know, you yeah, I'm not willing Russian to roll that dice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the this is even better than the first one. So this is No Mates. Columbus. Yeah. I um, this is my favorite right now. Yeah, this is really, really good. And I um actually I'll just let you you had a very elegant way of talking about the story of these beers before we started recording. So I, I want to um, ask you guys just to repeat that conversation because it was really good. I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone call Matt elegant yeah, before. But I'll take but it. We'll... <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. I'm going to have to have my wife listen to this. And repeat. Please do. It'll help the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cheers anyway. Uh, this is uh, our single hop series called No Mates uh, because it's all by himself or herself, itself. Um so we did our first iteration with Mosaic and most people are pretty popular with that, uh, like familiar with that hop. This one's with Columbus. And we kind of wanted uh, to provide that taproom experience for uh, our beer patrons uh, so they can sort of dissect the beers a little bit and kind of uh, really understand what we're doing and so they can piece pieces of the puzzle together when we're actually composing multiple hop right, like into our beers. And... Um, uh, this is kind of uh, the second round and showcasing Columbus, which is, you know, I mean, it's been a hop that everybody's tried and it's, I guess, on the outer of the sexy hops, um, but it's a classic. And, you know, I just wanted to sort of bring it back and, you know, showcase what it is because I think it, it's it's tasting and the aromatics of it are, are phenomenal. Um yeah, we've had a really great response in the tap room for the Nomades Columbus. It's 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 interesting watching people because people loved the Nomades Mosaic, and now we've got this interesting situation where we've got two beers on tap that are both called Nomades, and people are having fun. You know, they'll order both and sit there, and you know, we've had a lot of people who are regulars who like great beer and they drink beer, and they're like, whoa, like it's amazing having the two together yeah. and seeing the difference that the hop characteristics and the flavors and um so it's it's been pretty fun i i love those types of things like where where breweries have their their series of single hopped beers where it's mm -hmm. the same base and or as as we were talking beforehand i really enjoyed when sam adams did their latitude 48 deconstructed yeah. mix pack where it was Latitude 48, and then single hop versions of the beer, yeah. of all the hops that make up that beer. Yeah. Uh, you know, having the ability to dissect the beer, I mean, it, it helps us, like, get better at, like, really crafting these beers, even, like, you know, finer, you know, because I, even though they taste great, you're always looking for continuous improvement. Um, but, you know, that from the customer point of view, it's like, if you just come in, it's like, oh, yeah, this tastes great. It's like, I don't really get this beer. But once you start tasting individual flavors, you come in after a period of a few months or a year and you're able to have that experience. And then you, you try the beer with all three hops or whatever we're 
whatever we do, you can actually go, oh, well, you know, I'm starting to get this a little bit. You know, I understand how, like, a lot of people can be turned off about hops, you know, or an IPA. It's like, I just don't like a bit of stuff. But, you know, come in and try ours, you know, that, you know, more flavor-geared and aromatic. And, you know, it's just kind of breaking down walls one at a time. Uh, and um, uh, hop cones are female. Oh, there we the, go. Yeah. The cones are the female flower of a hop vine. And um, they're just buds on yeah. the male plants. Yeah. So, yeah, you can call it her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> She's doing great. <laughs> but I think also, you know, it. as Matt says, you people, people can start to identify, oh, I really like the flavor of Columbus. So whenever we've got a beer on, that's got Columbus. They know that to veer in that direction you know but we i mean we already have people asking for beers to come back which is a good sign yeah. so the peekaboo that we um we tried like that was our first beer and for us it was like oh it was the, it was the first beer we you know we were figuring stuff out you know but so many people have oh, that was a great beer like bringing back the um so it's 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 good for the for the confidence and also just People do distinguish what they like and, you know, and for us, it's great to be able to go, okay, well, this is why, you know, you like this hop or this flavor profile or, um, so it's good. But Matt's got some, some, we've got some interesting experiments to, to do a little more of this in the next few months. To, how, how many taps do you have? We have, um, 16 okay. taps. Not so, yeah. all, not all of them are full right now, but yeah, we have the capacity for sixteen beers. That's on a, I mean, that's a good number though, because it allows you to, um, you have your fan favorites that yeah. you can bring back if people are, but you still have plenty of space where you can try out your new things or experiment and, uh, yeah, for sure, not limited to what you can offer people. Yeah, exactly. A couple of those um, lines are dedicated to saisons as well, so. We'll be you'll be seeing a few more of those um, in the near future. Seems like a style that's having a really strong resurgence right now. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely um, a beer, like a style of beer that I've I've always brewed. Um, you know, this little my, my great grandfather died a Mark grave in Belgium first war. Um, so it's. I always try and add a New Zealand ingredient in and just paying a little bit of homage to, to the past there. Um, that was the but, first beer we brewed together as well. So yeah. Cool. I kind of yeah. like having one. So on. it's kind of like the foundation of where, where we started um, and obviously the opportunities that have flown since. So, uh, I mean, you can't, like a great saison, you really can't beat it. And, you know, we both enjoy the style. And I, I think there's a, there's a lot of crowding on the there's a lot of noise in the market on saisons, but uh, you know we're hoping to um, you know create our own like little uh, take on it, and you know hopefully people enjoy it. Um, are you into kettle sours or natural fermentation at all, or is that not an area you're going to go? Into? I, I'd love to do that. Um, we just don't have the capacity ready for our natural fermentation. I'd love to have a cool ship and all the toys to play with. Um, we will probably end up with some sort of sour program and it's probably going to be a barrel. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, nothing major, uh, certainly kettle sours, uh, and some fruited like Berlin devices, that kind of thing. I, that's, 
on the schedule for uh, you know early spring so in time for spring um but uh, like anything mixed we probably want to do uh, dedicated vessels uh you know, to take it from beginning to end. Have you ever been to Triple Crossing? Yeah. That place, yeah. they have a tremendously huge, uh, mm-hmm. cool ship. Yeah. It's like three size, three times the size of this mm-hmm. room. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out whether we could fit a cool ship in there. And we'd, I think we'd have to employ some sort of pulley system for rafters <laughs> and like, you know, then like, yeah. is well, it a low bearing? And... Considering the story of the front wall, we're thinking yeah. maybe that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> But it would yeah. fit right in with the name, or it would be an, an elaborate, uh, intricate yeah, system exactly. of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be something as simple as just you know, it folds out and you know, like one of those uh, loft beds. Yeah, you know, so portable. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's uh, feasible, but uh, I mean, it's it's fascinating, and you know what other brewers are doing. It's uh, you know, it's great to see, and it's inspiring at the same time. So, the, um, do you have food, or yeah. do you? So you have your own kitchen or? We yeah. do. We have a small, um, a small production kitchen, not production, sorry, a small warming kitchen. So we, to to tie in with the, you know, local artisan and also bring in our stories, we um, have a, um, the main entree section of our menu is um, New Zealand meat pies. So there is a vegetarian option. Um, so they're kind of handheld not they're they're almost like chicken pot pie but not quite they're quite um a little hard to to describe initially but um we've had a great reaction to them so they're they're made in alexandria by a a kiwi down there that has a a a pie shop so So people just know each other everywhere more or less, it's um, <laughs> you have like an New underground Zealand, communication network. Yeah, well, New Zealand's basically a big, uh, big village, so yeah. you know, it's kind of like just put out. You the, just keep the track whistle. of each yeah, other. Exactly. Actually, yeah. I think it was me that knew, um, knew Ram. So, um, yeah, the Kiwi cuisine out of Alexandria. I think I knew him. So he'd obviously gone on his overseas experience at some point and um, run into the Brits. But it, it's all, it's it's a big part of. Um, English culture as well to have a meat pie and a pint. Um, so yeah, I mean the the best description I've heard from them up to now is like, oh, I want to try one of those adult hot pockets, <laughs> which it's not anything like, but you know if if it, if it helps us to explain. So does we do. It, does it still does it have the same specific heat of a hot pocket? Because like, a hot pocket just seems to like get you hotter than anything else in the world <laughs> yeah the insides can be pretty hot so yeah we have a range from um steak and ale which is made with our own um stout to you know chicken curry which is one of my favorites and um we have a veggie version we have a lamb version and then we have some just um like appetizer share plates that you can you can get and do you have a soft pretzel we don't oh, that geez. that that is that was you something that i was pretzel. thinking about the other day actually we've kind of been trying to get get what we 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 have the philosophy of let's let's keep it manageable but get it right so we're just getting to the stage now where we can review things and add some things that you know people might want or want to see a little more of. I agree, pretzel and beer is they go re- together re- perfectly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, whole grain mustard and a pretzel, yes, great. Okay. like Trogues. That that pretzel at Trogues is almost as good as their beer. 
Yeah, I haven't had it. So you should, yeah, I highly recommend going now to Now we need Trogues. to make that journey. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, they I think they make it from their spent grain. Oh wow. And it's roughly the size of um a large baby. Oh wow. And yeah. it's absolutely delicious. Oh. Emma, bit of R and D for you. There you go. <laughs> and Nugget Nectar just came out. So yeah, I just saw that. Double yeah. double yeah. reason to go road yeah. trip right yeah. there. Yeah, I saw they poured it on nitro yesterday. So I used to, um, every year, whenever Nugget Nectar would come out, I would drive to, um, I think at that point they were in Harrisburg, they weren't in Hershey yet, to buy a case of it, because it would be like a month before it was available in Maryland, and I absolutely loved that beer. Dedicated beer drinker, Chris. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was was a while ago, so now there's so many options, I don't, I don't, do that You'll and do. it's a lot easier to buy now before like stores down here would get maybe a couple cases of nugget nectar and if you weren't there it's when gone. it was delivered to the store you weren't going to get any so that's why i would drive up but i haven't done that in a while but now i want one of their pretzels so i may have to go up and get some <laughs> <laughs> so the i completely lost my train of thought you were thinking about that pretzel, I think. Yeah, I it's I love soft pretzels. <laughs> it's probably my favorite food, and along with the beer, is just amazing. It's a complete uh, nutritional balance meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you guys into any distribution yet, or are you all just through through the tap room? We are, up to now. We've been mainly through the tap room. We've done a, a little bit of distributing. We were we did a. a a few kegs to downtown crown just before the holidays and um mcginty's in silver spring has always got something on tap which harkens back to matt's bartender days because he's got his <laughs> he's got his fan crowd that keep asking where's matt's beer we want matt's beer um and also a little two meridian pint in dc okay um and that was just us putting our toe in the waters but the new year is is kind of us refocusing and getting beyond just get making sure the tap rooms yeah. running and open and everything's good there and our our next step, our next step is to to start distributing kegs to probably just initially some key local accounts to so that we get that piece right and make sure that we you know we've got all our ducks in a row um and we we've got the capacity and the right amount of beer to make people happy and not upset you know accounts that we've we've gone out and sourced and then can't keep up with production so yeah we'll we'll be in the next few months out there in a few places and if you follow us on social media we'll let people know where we are and where they can find some some of astrolab brewing's um latest production that's got to be one of those um very difficult things when you when you're ver- first starting out sending beer out into the world that the delicate balance of making sure you've kept enough to supply your tap room but still supplying the the bars that want to have your product also yeah for sure and you know also like quality of product um, and how it's dispensed so you know we're confident you know the people that we go to like clean their tap lines and if not we'll just clean them for them yeah you know when we deliver yeah i think it, it, it's pretty safe that downtown yeah. crown and yeah. meridian pints are, are going to have yeah, yeah they're yeah. going to have clean lines yeah exactly yeah. 
but yeah no we i mean that that's one of the reasons that we initially haven't just gone straight to the market and, and put beer out in in you know in local bars and restaurants is that we we really wanted to hone in on well what do we need for our customers in the tap room we don't want to get to the situation where we've sent out 30 kegs and then we've run out for yeah. the people that live on our doorstep um and we do we we right now we're in that phase of having those conversations you know what have we got what can we put out that we can we can send out and it, it is a balancing act until your production you know ramps up and you get to the the stage that um you can really take care of of the tap room and a lot of a lot of other places so i ask all my guests um well first like what right now what is your favorite maryland beer that you're drinking that you haven't made yourself matt favorite maryland beer right now i'd probably go well it's a toss-up um i'd probably go born bohemian uh just you know, a nice clean Czech Pilsner from our neighbors at, over at Denison's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love hobby stuff, but it's quite yeah. nice to have a, a well-made um, beer and Jeff does great work over there. Um, so that's probably, you know, if I'm doing a quick shifty or I want to sneak down the road, that's that's what I'd do. Yeah. Um, I usually, I I really like what where the Dakar is bringing out. I like, you know. They're readily, Keith, Keith yeah, yeah. They make some, make some, some great beer. really great beers. So if there's ever any of theirs on tap anywhere I go, I I really like their Reveille, the stout that they they put out. So yeah, I love. I really like what Keith's doing. Um, I don't know. In in two months, you may not have pissed anyone off yet. Um, but have you received? Any, <laughs> have you received any comically? Um, bad reviews i i think that's oh, Matt never popular. looks at the reviews yeah I'm, it's kind of like a chef reading his reviews right um yeah i mean it's like you obviously when you're opening you you'll have a look at like some of these uh sites that are you know kind of consumer driven um i mean in the grain of salt you know a lot of it's just an index you've got to remember you know for people so they can like track their beers and they can have a conversation about it well, that, see those ones are never funny yeah. the, they those are like you look at them and half the time it's just the person doesn't know what they're talking about yeah. or they're just being unreasonable with their rating i find that the trip advisor and the yelp ones that's where you find gold the the people who really take their time to express how pissed off they are are, <laughs> yeah, are the funniest <laughs> yeah i mean like if you're going over a paragraph and you're going into two then you've, yeah. you've probably got a little, few issues to deal with you know if you're sitting at home writing about this shit yeah um but uh you know we're fortunately most of it's been pretty positive i think yeah. we're like you know there's always somebody that doesn't like something you know we're certainly hot focused and you know, we do offer some gluten-free options and that kind of thing, but you can't satisfy everybody. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you kind of just got to look at it and like, as long as the majority of people are happy, you know, we're, we're pretty sound with that. Uh, and obviously sales uh, is, you know, a good judge of, you know, whether you're going to do it okay. Yeah, we haven't had anything too 
hilariously interesting. Yeah, the, some well, of the recent ones are quite when you when you you read what people flavor profiles that they're picking up, and it's like, oh, it tastes like weed. It's like really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like you know you're giving a, a description of some of the hop characteristics. You know, if there's some pineapple character coming through off of like the Eldorado that we use in one of our beers, you know, you're making that note and it's like, you know, somebody's making the comment, it's like, you know, they should have used more pineapple. It's like, yeah, you're never going to win, you know, so. Um, it was, I think it was last, no, two weeks ago, we released our episode that I, I recorded back in October mm-hmm. where we had an event at Waverly where it was just a bunch of brewer, breweries reading the worst reviews that they've ever received. Yeah. And it was absolutely hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, mean tweets, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start yeah. saving them now then, Chris, for our next. You should. Because it, it's great. I mean, <laughs> there, there's like Attaboy had an amazing one where the, like the person just picked apart everything they hated about the place all the way down to like the floors offended them. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure that like if you're looking for a fence, uh, I'm sure uh, come to Astrolab and we'll, we'll provide it. <laughs> so. so the, um, so unfortunately you don't have any funny, bad reviews. Um, this is typically where I would let you taste, um, the whiskey I made with McClintock distillery, but I forgot to bring that in. So oh, if you do want to, well, no, I'll run back to my office when we're done recording, uh, to bring it to you. Uh, John Burroughs wants me to let him know when we start recording so he can watch it live. Little does he know we're not doing that anymore, so <laughs> he will get to watch it when we release it. Well, he's busy um, cleaning cakes at Astro Lab. Yeah, so, oh, well, so, so if he, get, if he does work, that, we're going to be telling him <laughs> yeah, what, what yeah. we are doing. <laughs> yeah, I hope you punched out, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll be holding up the bar. <laughs> All right, so uh, real quick, where can people find you? Um, right now in the tap room, um, we are also at McGinty's in Silver Spring down to 911 Ellsworth Drive and at Meridian Pint for as long as those three half kegs last. <laughs> and where is the brewery, lo- the tap room brewery located at? Um, we are at 8216 Georgia Avenue, Silver Spring. And you're Astro Lab on everything, right? Yes. And it is pronounced Astro Lab, yeah. not Astro Lab. Yeah, so it's like Graham would try to say. Correct. Exactly at Astro Lab Brewing. Um, so yeah, the, we have the brewing on the end as well, and that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Great. Well, thank you two so much for taking time from your busy schedules to venture up to Frederick, um, as I explained to you, the craft beer capital of the East Coast. Yeah. Um, God bless it. <laughs> Silver Spring might be um, challenging that title in the next few years. Nah, we'll win. <laughs> I, we'll probably open another twenty breweries or so. Yeah, by yeah, then. More, more than <laughs> I think. I think what everyone's shooting for is just like every other building to be a brewery yeah. in Frederick. Critical mass. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank cool. you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, mate. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.